Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 3, 17 Seconds. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Story himself. Cal Jones, how you doing, man? You know what? I can't say anything else other than I'm glad to be here. So looking forward to this discussion. So yes, as always, glad to be here. Also on the podcast, we have Mrs. After the Snap herself, Tasha Pierce. How are you doing? Well, well, glad to see everybody. Glad to be here. Glad to have you again. And also joining us for the first time, and I'm so happy he could join us, Mr. Reinhardt that I know from the chats, but otherwise, Larry, good to have you on, sir. How are you doing? Great to be here. Excited. Appreciate you having me. And of course, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek and some of the excessive detail in addition to talking all things Trek. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel to all decks. I just want to ask you guys, how do we feel about the Discovery news before we kind of get into this review of Star Trek Picard? So since Larry is rocking the disco shirt, I think he should go first. <laughs> well, you know what? To be quite honest, I am I'm not sad. I think Discovery did what it was supposed to do. It renewed interest in Star Trek. Uh, it brought the franchise into the present. I mean... I enjoyed the show, although, the, you know, there were many times I was felt it <laughs> fell short, but that doesn't take away from all that they accomplished. I think five years, especially in this day and age of streaming, is a good run. So I'm excited to see season five. Can't wait to see my girl Sonequa and the rest of the crew. So, you know, I think it's it's OK, you know. Yeah, I think for me, that's the thing that really kind of hurts me the most. I'm a missing Miss Green, Miss Martin Green, and also, of course, Doug Jones. Those actors I really, really love. And, you know, hopefully we can get them back in Trek somehow, even though they're way off there in the future somewhere. Uh, Tasha, what do you think about this news? Well, I can agree that five years is a good run. I wish going into filming of season five, they knew already that this was going Mm. to be the end. Uh, because now it looks like we're going to get them tying things together. But we know that it was not it's not going to be as cohesive because they had no intention of this being the last season when they started to record. And besides that, I'm just broken hearted. You know, I, there there was another show that I felt could have gotten on the chopping block, but we're not here to do that. So <laughs> I, I just feel like uh, Discovery deserved a proper send off. Yeah. And, and with I these. Agree. With these new shows, we don't really know what the cadence is so far as far as seasons. And, you know, I think Discovery even had a few more episodes than the other shows have had. Kyle, how do you feel as we sit, you know, almost at the end of Discovery? Yeah, you know, I have to echo what Tasha said. You know, I wish we would have known going in from the production standpoint that it was going to be the last. And I agree that Discovery raises the bar. It doesn't lower it to decks below. So if we were going to get something axed, I would, you know, lower it, not, you know, where Discovery is, pun intended. But yeah, um, you know, I have seen online that there has been some talk that this merger between Paramount Plus and what is it, Showtime, Mm -hmm. that might be causing some of this. But if you also look at it from if one had to go, the longer a series stays around, um, the longer that some series stays around, maybe the more cost that's involved. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. A, I think it comes down to the money at the end of the day. And you know, we've seen the visuals so far on Picard, and they have been fantastic. And one has to think these other shows have been eating into the budget of that. You know, grandiose start that Star Trek Discovery had. You know, production design immaculate. And we're kind of spreading that thin across these different series. So as for me personally, am I sad? Yes. But I also feel like it, it, it like Ryan Hart said, it may be time for the series to end, unfortunately. Unfortunately, right. Unfortunately. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, it's kind of like Enterprise. 
they didn't know. And remember how, as Tasha said, how disjointed that felt because going into that scene, they did not know that the scene. So they had to hurry up. And of course they did that. The Riker thing. <laughs> the the <laughs> ignorant thing of killing off a great character, just oh, the shows. And then, so let's kill off somebody. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a little dumb. Yeah, so let's let's we'll move on to the review if no other thoughts about Discovery. Of course, we're all going to miss it, but yet it it may be time, but man, I'm going to miss my actors. I love those actors, man. Me too. So let's go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Picard 17 Seconds, which was directed by Jonathan Frakes and written by Jane Max and Cindy Appel. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen 17 Seconds, Put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. The spoiler warning has been dropped, and like always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us today? The past meets the future, and I sometimes wonder if you can go home again. Hmm. You might have to dissect that one for us a little bit, sir. All right. So the past meets the future. We find out something in the past that is present in the future now, and it's impacting the future. And the ending, the interaction between Picard and Riker is my comment, can you go home again? Because time and distance and circumstances have changed. So let's go around the horn and get everybody's high level opinion of the episode. And let's start with you, Tasha. What did you think of 17 Seconds? I thought, in my opinion, this was uh, probably the best uh, as far as all around episode. Because, you know, the first couple of episodes, I had a little issue with the B plot. This one, this thing moved like (laughs) butter. (laughs) And I enjoyed it. So, yeah, this was, to me, the best of uh, the first three uh, episodes. Larry, what did you think? High level views, man. I adored this episode. It was so good. I had I had one issue and we'll get that because me and Tasha had the same issue with it. But other than that, I just it was oh, my God, it was so good. It was like especially with Gates and Patrick I mean, as, you know, Crusher and Picard, I love that. I love that you can understand both their sides. That's how good it was. Just uh, for me, it was a 10. Mm. Larry, you said everything I think that needs to be said. I cannot disagree with anything that any of you have said. This was awesome. I saw both sides, even though I don't have children. I They laid out everything. You saw both sides. You could sympathize, empathize, whatever the you know word that suits goes. Loved it. Totally, absolutely loved it. As for me, I thought this episode, just like Tasha said, it flowed. While I was watching the episode, it was like it wouldn't go in. <laughs> you know, I looked up like, oh, it's not over yet. We we gonna keep going here. It honestly felt like a two hour movie. And again, for once, the Rafi stuff didn't get on my nerves. Of course, Worf was a large part of that, but for me, it started to to finally get good. And the second second watching, I loved that portion even more. I will admit the the Michelle Hurt acting got on my nerves a little bit because to me it was a little bit over the top at the beginning. But watching it again, it just flowed so it felt so right. So, yeah, I I loved it. So many great reveals in this episode and great acting, great acting, man. And I kind of saw this episode as a play on dynamics, the dynamics between characters, Rafi and Worf. You had uh, Riker and Picard. You had Beverly and Picard. So many different ways we were teaming up these characters who are, even in this hour show, seem like they're getting their own time to shine and and be an important part of the story. So first, I kind of want to start because, again, it's kind of off there and on his own. The Rafi and Worf thing. So we see Worf give his whole spiel about who he is, including a subcontractor. 
thoughts on the Raffaella and Worf portion of this episode? Does anybody want to jump in here? This was uh, unexpected, first and foremost, because we have a, a working knowledge of the Worf character. And we think coming into this, oh, we know Worf. And now we get an evolved Worf. <laughs> and Worf is the funny guy. Worf is the, the good cop in, in these situations. And this was not what I expected with Michael Dorn's character, but I'm so here for it. <laughs> Larry, do we like the evolution of Worf in this episode? Listen, uh, I'll take Worf any way I can get him. Okay. <laughs> that man has, uh, he, he took a character and um, sometimes the writing on TNG, regardless of what people say, TNG did have bad episodes back then. Yeah. You know, but the, the what he did with this character through TNG, through Deep Space Nine and on. I mean, he owns this character. Yeah. I mean, it just it seemed I'm like, Todd, it seems so natural. Every word that came out of his mouth, I went, yes, that's mm. him. Yeah. That's him. He's older. He's mellowed for a Klingon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he's definitely mellowed for Worf, you know, mm. who was probably the most uptight Klingon. <laughs> Even among Klingons, he was uptight. So I just love the way it went. And I love Raffi. Raffi's one of my favorite characters. I love she's, you know, that dogged person who's just can't let something go. You know, and uh, I mean, yeah, there's times it can be a bit annoying, but I think that's the writing more than I do her acting. Yeah. So we get to this point where Raffaella and Worf team up. Cal, they go to take down Titus Ricca, who supposedly has something to do with his weapon getting stolen from Starfleet headquarters or from um, a Daystrom Institute. Thoughts on this team up? We get to see a kind of a kick ass Worf again in this episode. Yeah. You know. If I had to say the part of the episode I liked least, it would have had to have been this sequence. Even though I love Worf, don't get me wrong. I am all there for Worf, and I like Rafi. But I did like it because of what it revealed at the end, and I liked how they played. But if I had to say what was my least you know, enjoyable or engaged, I think it was that because – my brain said to me, this is B-plot. Even mm. though it was great, it was still B-plot. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was grand. And their chemistry just, it, it started to gel with me by the end of it. I really enjoyed it. And then, like you mentioned, Tasha, before the good cop, bad cop thing they had going on, I thought that was really funny. And even, even with the revelation of the, the, you know, the elephant in the room, the changeling who Ricka is, it was... Interesting to see Rafi's approach to that because we know she has an, she's had an addiction before and that's her worldview on this. But, you know, Worf has been on DS9 and he has a friend who has given him some information about what's going on. So, yeah, I loved all of that. And then we also got to find out Worf's Starbucks order, which that was very Oh, man. I felt like I was on Game of Thrones again uh, with the nearest Targaryen all this. I was going to say, you know what was so funny about this episode is uh, that scene. Um, the guy who played the changeling was Thomas Decker. And um, he actually I loved him because I loved the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Mm. OK, but I did not know that uh, this guy was one of Jean-Luc Picard's sons. Um, in the um, Generations film when he was in the Nexus. Mm. Had no idea. He also played on Voyager, two episodes of Voyager. I know, and they went back and I was like, what? Yeah. Really? He was so cute. He was a cute little kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's a guy that doesn't get enough work in Hollywood, for sure. So let's go ahead and pivot a little bit. And we're going to come back to the Changeling, of course. We're going to have a lot of, to talk about about that as far as it relates to this season. But Let's talk about this flashback scene. And, you know, we kind of get our particular moment from this episode as well. How did we like, and Tasha, you pointed out this to me because I guess I forgot. We had QDH last year or last season, and we get a younger Picard and a younger Riker at the bar 
talking about his first son. Thoughts. I know we have a lot to say right here. Y'all know how I felt about that. I did not that the de-aging did not work for me. The mm. conversation, the sentiments behind the conversation, how it wraps back around to the title, all of that wonderful, beautiful. That de-aging needed some work. <laughs> it needed some work on not just what we saw, but what we heard as far as the delivery, their voices. You know, if you could put you de-age me to 10 years old and keep my old lady voice, <laughs> it's going to be jarring. And that's that's what I felt uh, in that scene. Mm. Carol, thoughts? Yeah, because I'm going to go complete. Not that I'm disagreeing with Tasha, but I'm going to go in a different direction. And I wonder if it's because I don't hear well that I didn't pay as much attention to the voice. But I was actually looking more on the visuals, specifically, excuse me, Picard. I didn't think it was done that badly from a visual perspective, considering some of the aging that's been done in the past. And if you go prosthetic aging, look no further than the finale of this series and say, wow, they did, you know, so much better in reverse than they did going forward. Mm. The part that bothered me. It's probably Picard looked younger in that DH scene than he looked on TNG. Good he was point. so smooth. Good he point. He was so polished. <laughs> Good point. Thoughts, Larry? It was freaky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be straight up honest. I was, I loved my Tasha. I loved what was said, the sentiment, and, you know, them having a baby, and, you know, I'm happy and, because we watched, you know, him and Deanna play cat and mouse as much as uh, Jean-Luc and Beverly. But it was beautiful. But that the age, I was just like, really? It took me out of the scene. All right. Well, I'm going to take you out of the scene even further and say this. If I can get paid title character pay for 20 seconds, like happened in that scene for Maria Sirtis, I'm happy. <laughs> Because yeah. literally, she had title card character, you know, special appearance by for yeah. 20 seconds. Yeah, she looked great as well. Well, to me, she looked great. For me, the de-aging did not bother me one bit. Did it look kind of weird? Yes. But I think what made it even weirder, weirder, excuse me, Riker still sounds like he sounded on TNG. So Riker worked for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Riker. Picard sounds like old man Picard. With young man Picard body. <laughs> and my brain was just like, this doesn't compute, man, because it that voice coming out of that body. And just go back and watch some TNG if you hadn't watched it in a while. He's so stern and John Luke, you know, he's mm, gravitas. But now he's kind of, you know, he's just older. He's older. His voice is more shaky. It's a little wisp wispier. And, oh, man, it just threw me completely out of it, even though I did like the scene. And the sentiment of the scene. So, yeah, that was really, really weird to see. But I think overall, I still found it enduring. So let me ask you guys a question before you move on. Was the scene needed for the overall arc? Was it needed? I think yes. Yeah, if we're going to tie it back, I mean, if, if, if we didn't know what was going to happen with Picard and his 17 seconds, then this would have felt like, why are we even seeing this? But when they when they uh, paralleled Picard's mm. seventeen second turbo lift ride with Riker Rikers, that was perfect. Self he became a father. <laughs> he watched the rebirth of his son. He he wasn't there for the actual birth, but then his son flatlined on the table. He was there for the rebirth. He had the same anxiety ridden ride. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, that was, and I really didn't get that until you said that in your review, Tasha. But yes, it was like his birth or rebirth. And it was just a wonderful scene. Let's get into some of the happenings on the Titan. We play this game of cat and mouse. And uh, of course, the Titan kind of gets pummeled a little bit by <laughs> the strike. Oh, man. And our boy Shaw is out of commission. Were we surprised he turned over the rain so quickly? Mm, no. I felt like it was. I felt like this is another example of a reason that we should like Shaw. I think that when you're going through it, like he he had internal bleeding, he was spitting up blood on the all over the bridge, but he had the presence of mind to say, "This ship still needs a captain, and I can't be it." So I'm gonna give it to you. 
because you seem to know what to do with the situation. <laughs> I thought that was a good thing coming from Shaw this time. I agree with that. I agree too. I wasn't surprised. We we knew at the beginning of this show, we knew that eventually Jean-Luc or Will are going to be in command of the ship. That was a given, but I really loved it. He said, look, man, I know I didn't give you some <laughs> crap, but you are a legend, so take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. You know, with bone exposed and all, you know. It's like, that's a wrap. I'm going to sick bay. <laughs> And then Riker, in true Riker fashion, just jumps in there and starts to command this ship. And this is kind of the part that is really interesting to me. Of course, we've seen Riker command the Enterprise. We've seen him in spurts command the Enterprise. Thoughts on this version of Riker? A Riker that Picard thinks is troubled by what has happened in his past and he even uses it against them. You know, I just hate it with people. And, and Picard even gets on Beverly for using his past against him, but he's going to use it against Riker in this moment. Thoughts on Riker's command of the Titan, his former ship. I loved it. I mean, anytime, you know, we all know Jonathan Frakes is a, an incredible director, but sometimes we forget that he's just an incredible actor too. And I just loved hearing him just bark off those orders. And I was like, it's almost like I was in the best of both worlds all over again. <laughs> Fire! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not agreement. <laughs> oh, whoa. And, and the reason why is this, okay, this is a, a Riker far removed from where I last saw him, even on Lower Decks. This is a different mm. Riker. Uh, I, I believe that the, the death of his child happened after his appearance on Lower Decks before season one mm. of Picard. And we're seeing mm -hmm. a timid, a far more hesitant Riker than we would than we saw even in Lower Decks. So yeah. I, I I think he's a bit different. This is not the same style of of captaining that I expect from Riker. See, I paid attention more so on the dynamic between he and Jean-Luc, less about how he compared to what he did in TNG. Now, part of that, if I'm being brutally honest, is because of this crew that's here, you know, in, on this stream, I am probably the least familiar with Trek because I'm more into the Doctor Who world. That said... I'm, you know, I, of course, absolutely know who Riker is. All of that said, I am just waiting for you guys to get to the dynamic between he and Picard. That's what I want to talk about. Well, let's get into it, because, of course, we get that awesome moment where Picard says, I'm your number one. But it's interesting when you think about how many times Picard trusted Riker's opinion and thoughts, input how we strategically how should we do this or that and when the tides turn Riker is just like not even want to listen to anything Picard has to say now he might have a good point maybe Picard might be the reason we got into this but it's like it just doesn't give him that same respect that he gave that that Picard gave Riker all those many years aboard the Enterprise mm -hmm. so so let me ask this question so We've had this scene that we were talking about with the de-aged, and, and we see how much having a child and losing a child has meant to Riker. Then you have the scene right after Picard comes out, and you know he's had the conversation with Beverly, and he's pretty much said, it doesn't matter that I've got a son. Let's go do this. And you know he doesn't want to see me. I don't want to see him, blah, blah. Could some of the resentment could there be some resentment there in Riker's subconscious or conscious mind that dude I had a kid my kid is gone you now have this opportunity to meet your child and you're you're saying meh possibly yeah I mean some of that may have carried over to the bridge when they started to you know squabble a bit anyone else have thoughts on their dynamic in this episode uh, Riker has experienced something that Picard has not. Well, up until that 17 seconds, but that was a, a fleeting moment. And also, I think Riker, uh, because he's experienced this loss, doesn't want to put anybody else through this loss. Picard is still going about it the way Picard, young Picard, would have done 
Uh, but Riker is looking at it from a standpoint that he doesn't want to see anybody's parent uh, mourning a child. And we got our friend's child on the ship. <laughs> this is yeah. this is not just anybody's kid. This is Jordy's kid. You want to mm. continue to put her in danger and, and put Jordy in a position that you and I have both been in already? So I think Riker like is, is gun shy and is affecting his his relationship with Picard. Barry, is, is Riker gun shy? I would say he definitely is a little, but that I, I, I'm on Tasha's review, which is great. But I, I said the same thing to her. I said, I didn't, but they went a little over the top with that scene. <laughs> they just, they just did. I don't see Riker ever looking at Jean-Luc and saying, oh, you killed us all. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they went for it on that one. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a little bit, that was a bit much. Yeah. I mean, really, I, th- I thought it was Hunt for Red October. <laughs> remember that, that scene? But then also think about how the <laughs> dynamic has changed in other ways uh, on the Enterprise and, and moving forward even from there. They were, they answered to Picard because Picard was, you know, their superior. And now Riker is in the situation where I am the captain of this ship. So when you were the captain, we did things your way. And, and even if he took some advice or suggestions from Riker, he didn't take them all. There were sometimes he shot Riker down. He didn't do it in a disrespectful way, the way Riker did. But but uh, Riker, this is a different dynamic because Riker is the person in command. So we're seeing now that Picard uh, has to learn to be a good follower. Yeah. And also for me, what was so strange about that was see Picard be the person saying, let's take offense. You know? <laughs> Let's let's set them up and get them, you know, let's attack. It, that that felt so foreign for me for it Picard because he's always the sit back, listen to all the information, then make a decision. But no, no, he's like, let's, let's set them up. <laughs> Even from the first episode, because in the first episode, no, second episode, remember he was, let's talk to him. And Jack was like, they don't want to talk. <laughs> and now all of a sudden it's, we don't want to talk. We want to fight, fight, fight. So yeah, he's he changed from one episode to the next. So does anyone think that there are emotions at play here for Picard? Well, let's yeah, let's let's get. Well, let me say this real quick. We got to come in in the chat. Uh, someone says Rathacon plus Doomsday Machine. Yeah, I, I get that for this episode. <laughs> I definitely get that. Yeah, one hundred percent. But let's let's talk about the Beverly Picard conversation. Man, it's such a tough conversation. And man, we talk about the the look. The acting moment of the look. This this scene shows us why Patrick Stewart is Sir Patrick Stewart. Because man, he he gets such <laughs> demanding performance here. Uh, right. Thoughts on the Crusher dynamics here of keeping Jack away from Picard for so long. I, I felt like she had valid reasons. Her explanation was good. Uh, I felt like his anger was justified. But I cannot abide by the decision that Beverly made. Because whether or not, okay, we, we're not even talking about child support and all this stuff in the future. A child needs their father. That child should have had the opportunity to know his father. And she made that decision for both of them. She made that decision for Jack. She made that decision for John Luke. And it wasn't fair. But, mm. but her explanation was reasonable. Mm. There will always be attempts on... Your life. Larry, what do you think? Did she make the right decision by keeping Jack away, knowing that Picard is such a being hunted all the time, is going to be called away all the time? He's 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 a high priority guy. <laughs> well, here's the thing. No, she did not make the right decision. Um, to me, when you know someone as well as she knew Jean-Luc, and I know she's saying that's why she did it, but it's like he said his and as you said, Sir Patrick Stewart, that's the reason why Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh, but when he brought that and he said, you took that choice away from me. Mm. You don't know what I would have done or what I could have done because you didn't give me a chance, mm. you know. And now you, you see this grown man who's my child. One thing that he longed for in a way. And um, 
you know, you know, she said, and then there was the thing where she, they threw that in. I'm going to say they did where she says, you said you could never be a father. Yeah. That dude's always longing to be a father. <laughs> We've all seen that before. I, I never got that from him. I got the fact that he ne- didn't ever want kids. Yeah. I got well, that too. Though, in um, generations, he re- I felt he really, and even when he went home to see his brother, I yeah. think he really, when he saw Robert and Renee, I think he really went, you know what? I wish I had a family, you know, even though that life is my life and I'm happy with it. I could have gone another way. And as much as I love Beverly as a character, I totally agree with what you guys have said. You know, I s- understand her reasoning, but for that matter, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but to use Star Trek terms, someone could have an accident in a shuttle bay and something happened to him. So you can't assume that just because it's Picard, it's going to be you know dangerous. It's going to be dangerous, but it's also going to be dangerous to be the child of Valana Torres and Tom Paris. It's going to be, you know, f- keep filling in the blanks. It's just what reality is. Piggybacking off of that, Kyle, because I just thought of it as you were saying it. She said there that this ship has some John Luke Picard sized enemies. <laughs> and these people don't these people, they're not Picard's enemies. This is not people he's ever dealt with. He's never had to deal with the changelings. We don't know what Vatic's whole shtick is, but he this is not it has nothing to do with him. It may have something to do with his DNA, but we that's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we can tell from right now. They were going to be after Jack, whether Picard was there or not. So she was she was wrong. And and someone brought up earlier, I don't know who it was, but they talked about how furious Picard was when he marched out of that room and kind of his tone changed for the rest of the episode. But but Kyle, let me ask you about this double whammy, though, because the first part of it is, you know, knowing he has a son and the son is is taken away by Beverly. But then you get the double whammy of Oh, he's of age. I gave him an opportunity. You know what? He didn't come see you. He didn't want to see you. Logical? Yeah, but but you know what? You If you put it from the perspective of Jack, what have you ever done for me? You know, if you mm. look at it from his perspective, he is a story. We know Jean-Luc because we've watched since 1987. But for the character, that's a name. That's something he's read about. And... Why have you never taken the time to come see me? No matter that the mother says, you know, whatever the mother says, eh, I can see that. But I think from storyline, I think they're setting something up for us. I think maybe by the end of the season, Jack Crusher will be Jack Picard. I agree. Mm, (laughs) That would be nice. And I I think, uh, again, Kyle, going off of what you said, uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't miss him because he never knew him. This wasn't an op. This wasn't. It, it wasn't. Uh, m- m- uh, oh, what is the word? Uh, it, he didn't do it out of spite. Right. Mm, I don't think. And I love the quick mention of Wesley, you know, losing her, losing all her loved ones to the stars. I thought was a great sentiment. But, but Larry, we get an explanation for the accent. Was that good enough for you in that moment? Yeah, I'm, I was. I was OK with that because, you know, I you know, I always tell you about fans. We have all been fans for years, and Kyle knows them. I'm also a, a massive Who fan. I don't know if he told you that, but um, you know where people, everybody wants an explanation for every tiny little beat. And I was like, yeah, he went to school in England and couldn't shake the <laughs> accent. Ah, I'm good. <laughs> Keep it moving. Oh, so we get another good team up. Well, first we got the quick little thing where baby LaForge went and talked to seven for a yes. minute, giving her sort of a pep Really, talk, really like that, that by cool. the way. Yeah, that was interesting. I think we're going to get a, the, the other side of that a little later in the season somewhere. But we get this dynamic of, of, of seven and Jack together, which I think they're setting up a spinoff <laughs> or something. Cause I thought they were fun together. Cause Jack is, Jack is almost that Kirk style of, of of person he you know just go do it you know he mm-hmm. punching <laughs> punching uh, the security guard you're insane liked, <laughs> i was gonna say who liked that that television punch one, <laughs> one, one punch and dropped the 
fully trained security guard. <laughs> but I think it established also that Jack can handle himself. So will oh, yeah. him be confronted a little later and he doesn't uh, show any resistance to this this person? Yeah. Um, it, 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 it establishes that that person is abnormally strong or abnormally uh, skilled. And yes. before we saw what we saw, I was thinking, how? <laughs> how is he handling him like this? Well, Shaw does put a little whisper in Jack's ear and we go back to this blood in the water, Fenris Ranger thing, blood in the water. And I, I just love these two together. I thought they were fun. But we get to the point where, you know, we have to track down who is the blood in the water. Where is the link coming from? And they they track it down because Seven is smart. This is what she do. And uh, Jack is confronted by uh, obviously the perpetrator here. <laughs> and we get so many good tidbits in these few moments. First, like you mentioned, Tasha, Jack gets tossed around like a rag doll a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's face face morphs, morphs a little bit. And yeah, so theories confirmed right here, I guess. And yeah, so rewarding. So rewarding. What do we think about the introduction to changelings in the Star Trek Picard universe here? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Because <laughs> it was so, I mean, any thing that ties back to Deep Space Nine, you know I'm going to love. But to be honest, since we had seen the preview of Lore mm. in the pre, I actually thought it was Lore and he had some new technology or something because it's in the same kind of uniform. Mm -hmm. And then when it turned out to be a changeling, I was just, oh, yeah. I was in heaven. So good. And you know, you all, you don't always have to completely subvert expectations. Our first thought was changeling before we went down a rabbit hole or everything else. But it was still quite rewarding to see a changeling here. Tasha, again, DS9 fan, changeling. Uh, is this right up your alley here? It, it was a surprise. It was an unsurprising surprise. Because while we thought, okay, in the beginning, initially, changeling, we also thinking, well, what, does, what would that have to do with John yeah. Luke Picard? I'm glad that we are seeing another crew, another group have to confront what we saw the people uh, of DS9. And this group seems to be a, a bit more radical than yes. even the founders from DS9. So I'm here for it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Vulcan logic extremists that we saw on, on Discovery as well. Yeah. Well, that's saying something. Because they remember they said uh, when they were talking to Wei Yun, on DS9, I'll never forget his uh, conversation with Damar. And he said, uh, yeah, this uh, planet here, the capital of the Federation, yeah, we need to eradicate the population. I was like, Yikes. oh, my goodness. Yikes. So I have a question. Have we ever seen the changelings outside of DS9? I, I think from listening to your, you all's conversation, we haven't, have we? I don't think so. Nothing I can't of. remember a case of seeing them anywhere else either. So the fact for them to be the uh, at least part of the villain group in this <laughs> was surprising. It's just when when we heard trust no one, it's like two or three ways you can go in the beginning. Yeah. And we we thought changeling, but it was like, oh, that doesn't have anything to do with Picard, and we pushed it to the side. But yeah, this is this is a new territory for Picard and uh, and crew, and and also the notion that they're supposedly trying to reignite the dominion war which man that is <laughs> if they go down that route we're going to be in this for years because I, it's not going to end by the end of the season right. if that's what it is right so we got a facebook comment meaning of jack's delirious vision of seven and the veins tentacle branches i don't know what it was and Honestly, I've gone through everything in my head to try to piece this to something. And I am just, it's a drought over here. <laughs> Does anyone have any thoughts about Seven's vision? I'm always thinking, and I, can't, <laughs> I cannot put my hand on what she said. Okay, in the vision, she said, find me, follow the branches. And I cannot put my finger on where I may have seen those tendrils before and what the heck does this have to do with anything? I, I think profits. Mm. That's the only thing I could come up with. And I know it's silly. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no. That, 
I had thought about that, the profits. <laughs> but you know what's so really weird, though? Um, when I saw that, I went, wow, they are really, really going out because I looked and he's looking at her. And I was like, maybe there's something else about Jack that we don't know. I mean, because let's be honest, his brother has abilities that normal people don't have. Yeah. Mm. It, it's going to bother me till they until we get to Thursday. And and what I like, we've, we've said it for every episode, they show us something and then we get the reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they do not string me. I don't care about nobody else. <laughs> they don't string me along for too long because... I am really trying to put my finger on where I saw this before. Um, somebody in my in my uh, on my live stream yesterday was saying the crystalline entity, and we pulled up a picture oh. of the crystalline entity, and it does have those sort of branches. It will tie back to lore, but how does that tie to Jack? Mary, did it set up set off any light bulbs for you there? That, well, she just came up with the best explanation i've mm-hmm. heard for it because to be quite honest that's better than anything i had <laughs> yeah yeah me too I'm, I'm at a loss i'm trying to think of because 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 it felt out of i don't know if it was an actual vision though we see that slight opening of the door which makes me think it was something in jack's head at first i was thinking it was something that was already on the ship but out of phase so i try i started researching phase aliens you know trying to find <laughs> what was going on but I don't think that's it. So, I mean, I think this is a good a theory as I've heard. Moving along, any other thoughts? I think I've hit the high notes on everything that I have. We got that interesting ship and a little tiny Voyager in Seven's quarters, which I thought was really freaking cool. She was listening to some Mozart or something. I uh, really love that. Any other takeaways that anyone wants to bring up? from this episode that we have not kind of talked about. So I have a question for you guys as the Star Trek experts here in the room. What do you guys envision as the other that was taken? You know, we we see that this was all a distraction, they said, and there was something else from Daystrom that was possibly stolen. Thoughts? I'm curious. What if it's lore? Mm. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it could be lore and it could be Moriarty. Yeah, that's the combination. Yeah. You know, we've seen on we've seen on Lord Dex where they always stash away the computers in some room. I don't know where that is. It's probably (laughs) Daystrom. That was cool. (laughs) Now, even though I know some people are not fan of Lord Dex, you gotta admit that's cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. (laughs) So somebody has gone and pillaged (laughs) Daystrom for all the cool sentient AI and Synthetics uh, to, to kind of take over the world, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that would be really bad if you think about it now. That's, oh, that's... yeah. <laughs> you know what's so sad, though? The Federation has really bad security. Like, yeah. People are just always stealing something from them. When we when we talked about, when I did the, the video about the conspiracy aliens, and could, they were so concerned that these aliens might come back. So they're going to drum up security. And ever since then, we have seen nothing but people infiltrate Starfleet <laughs> yeah. all the way up to the top. And, yeah. and you know, so I'm like, they've done, they've done a very poor job <laughs> over the years. Hmm. And one other thing, the portal weapon. Oh, yeah, that one I was going to bring up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so fans of the video game Portal would know what I'm talking about here. You have the portal gun in that game. I loved how they used it in this episode. The only thing I would have changed is a very slight change. I would have changed that when they shoot the weapon, I wish you could see that portion of space that it goes to instead of showing like a Stargate blob. (laughs) But other than that, man, uh, Vatic, dude, she, it was so cool. It was so different Vatic this episode too. Still don't like her. You You still don't like her? Her, I think like that last week, her her vibe was completely for their benefit. She did that uh, as entertainment, the way she was acting over the top. Because this week we got calculating. We got, again. Yeah, scary. Mm. Just menacing. Ooh, I thought that lady did a great job. I think Amanda Plummer is killing it. She killed it this episode. I agree. I just, I loved, uh, but, you know, Riker was right. I mean, it's love, you know, Johnson's like, we got to fight. And, you know, and Riker finally is like, Hit him with everything. 
And then they're just like, nah, bro. And we nah. hit you in the butt. I go nah. I ain't fighting to hit him with like, everything. It was like it was like Vatic, like she's saying, Oh, you just don't know me. So because cool. I think Picard is thinking ahead, though. I think if you if we uh think about the fact that he believes just like we kind of believe that she doesn't want to kill Jack. So yep. she's not going to destroy the ship. He knows that. Good what point. she's not expecting is the is them to turn around and fight back until they did. Uh, but like you said, Clarence, had she done it, had they turned around and, and gave up, gave them a little fight a little earlier, maybe things would have been different. So we, we'll never know. We could, you know, woulda, coulda. But uh, right now we're, we're we're drowning in a gravity well in a nebula that seems to be living. <laughs> yeah, living ne- what? We're we're sinking in a living nebula. So that's interesting, I guess. This is where I say sometimes we show too much these days in previews. Yes. Because uh-oh. we already seen other scenes, so we know they make yeah. it out of this. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, no, we don't know that. He killed us all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh yeah, this was only four episodes. Yeah, yeah. We, we know they ain't gonna kill the, ain't kill the main character. I always laugh when people go, "Is he gonna? Is he gonna fall?" No, he's the main character. What are you talking about? Someone should just take that clip of Riker saying, "You killed us all," and just put it in awkward. No, as <laughs> <laughs> the new meme for the internet. <laughs> So we got a comment from Lee on Facebook, our, our good friend and co-host Lee Shackelford, who says, uh, casting a vote here for Moriarty. I'm glad to see him, even though I don't get credit. There's a big story there because Lee did used to write for TNG and he has written many scripts and he may have not gotten credit. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But Lee is the man. Lee is the man. And si- since you mentioned that, can I give a shameless plug? Yeah, do it. If you are a fan of sci-fi and if you like uh, Star Trek, then and you like listening to Clarence and you're familiar with Lee, check out the RelativityPodcast.com, 60 episodes, awesome story. And yeah, you can listen to it in its entirety at RelativityPodcast.com. Indeed. But let's go ahead and get ratings for the episode real quick. I'm going to give this a 4.9. Only because I want a little bit room for growth. But for me, it was almost a perfect episode. Larry, how do you rate this one? It was awesome for me. Even I I think we all have our little quirks and things that we didn't necessarily agree with some of the choices. But I mean, I was just glued. To, I've, I've watched it like three times. Yeah, so it gets far. better. He's viewing too. It does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what's that for you? A five? What did you give it? A five. A five. All right. Miss Tasha, how do you rate 4. this one? 4.75. Oh, such a hard critic these well, days. You know, oh. it, was, it, was that, it was that you've killed us all, get off my bridge. That was a <laughs> bit much to me. And I and I mean, other than that, it was a, a perfect episode until I'm like, this is a little too far. So, and plus, you know, I've been holding them fives. I don't want to, I don't want to hand them out too early because then later on, a fantastic old, episode will drop and then i'll be like i wish i had some fives but i gave them all out at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> mr jones all what right. about you so i'm gonna give it so just bear with me i'm gonna give it a 4.75 for the story but i'm going to add in another point 25 for the way that they effortlessly do the music at the end that gives you the chills when it goes into the star trek next generation music so five total for me <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. A five from Mr. Jones as well. Guys, what do you think of this episode? Let us know. You can send that into fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. But we're going to take this moment for shout outs, plugs, what you're working on or whatever. My shout out real quick is going to be Watch the Last of Us on HBO Max. It's freaking amazing. I'm really enjoying that. The acting on that is yes. top notch as well. So let's go around the horn. Larry, do you have anything you want to plug? Website or whatever, anything? Not really anything to plug. I just, number one, I want to thank Tasha for even getting me interested in that and you for showing up to my Twitter uh, stream. You know, that was audio only. That was great. But um, no, I just think uh, Picard is so good. I 
Just can't wait <laughs> to see the rest. Indeed. Cal Jones, anything to plug? All right. I will plug, let's go comedy sci-fi, and I will plug Oz9. Uh, you can find that at oz-9.com. And I recently wrote and produced a an episode of Oz9, which we called, get ready for this, Discussing Oz9. So, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it was with the characters and all that, and I had a lot of fun doing that, so... Yeah, I, I will say definitely go check that out. I had a lot of fun with my s- small cameo. It's such a fun <laughs> episode. And you have you really don't have to have any know anything about Oz9. You can watch it and enjoy it. But I will say stick around for Oz9, a, a great comedy podcast, well acted, well written, and you'll have a lot of fun with that as well. Tasha, you have the floor. Well, you know, I'm going to shamelessly plug myself. <laughs> I host a, a, a YouTube channel and podcast called After the Snap Movies and TV. And currently I am working per Mr. Brown's suggestion on a video that will serve as a refresher for the changelings. So if there's a gap in your knowledge, I will be putting out a video between tomorrow evening and Wednesday morning that will explain the changelings in excessive detail. (laughs) Yeah, she does all the work so you don't have to, folks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I can't wait to get the refresher because I really need to be brushed up. It's been a while since I watched DS9, actually. So I do need that refresher. So with that, I'll say thank you guys on the stream with me. Thank you for joining. It has been a freaking blast for anybody listening as well. We really have been happy to have you listening along. And with that, we're going to end things. Thank you all for joining. It's been fun. And until next time, live long and prosper. listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Can I say that like shut up Wesley? I can just go shut up Clarence?